everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Today is June the 9th. This is episode 283. Oh, I should say June 9th, 2021, in case you're listening to this in the far off future or in the past because of your time machine. Either way, June 9th, 2021 is the date. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, let me brief you. We are a podcast about media, and that includes movies, television, video games, and music, but not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. We are back with even more thoughts. If you, Well, not as crazy as it was uh, <laughs> two episodes ago for our 180th show with all the TV stuff. Yeah. But thoughts are still a-coming. Still a-coming. Uh, and more uh, news and new releases and all that stuff that you come here to enjoy. We've got all of that and more. So let's get started with it. We always start the show with movies, and we always start movies with the weekend box office numbers. And it is that time of year again, the beginning of summer, where we start seeing horror movie releases. Summer horror. Yes. Scary summer. Um, your number one movie is The Conjuring, colon, The Devil Made Me Do It, which debuted to $24 million. Not bad. For still question mark, question mark, question mark, movie theaters. So More question mark, question mark, movie theaters, because $24 million compared to last week's A Quiet Place Part 2? Right. No, it's not. In that uh, one-to-one comparison. Yeah, speaking of last week's A Quiet Place Part 2, it has now gone down to number two with $19 million. That's sitting at $88 million domestic, which already puts it in line to be one of the most successful movies of 2021. Um, <laughs> let's see. Even if it goes another half next week, that'd be $10 million, Puts mm-hmm. it at $98 million. Which puts and- it around where kong versus godzilla is which i believe is still our leader yes yeah uh but that does mean um the quiet place part two could be the first film to top a hundred million dollars this year (laughs) i could see it i could see it happen man will warner be upset if that happens well i'll tell you how upset they are because godzilla versus kong 99.1 million dollars right now Oh no, they need that 900k. I mean, it'll get it probably during the week, maybe. 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 We'll see. That's Kong Watch 2021. <laughs> Tune in next time for that. But in the meantime, your rest of your top five. Number three, Cruella. Another one, another $11 million. That's at $43 million domestic, just for theater revenue. Number four, Spirit Untamed. That's that and a CG um, movie adaptation of the CG Netflix show, which is an adaptation of the hand-drawn original DreamWorks film. Whew, that made $6 million in its debut. And then lastly, number five, Raya and the Last Dragon, which recently just got its uh, Disney Plus regular streaming debut. Um, That made $1.2 million. That's sitting at a total of $53 million, which you gotta imagine if you're Disney, you're disappointed by that number. Yes, but it's also the animation number, and a lot of the animation 
revenue is generated from families going to theater. Yeah, and you and can tell. You have any parent that doesn't want their children in the theater, that's definitely going to hit their box office numbers. For sure, and they're seeing it. But yeah, I can't imagine that they're happy. I'm hoping that the uh, Disney Plus revenue from when it was running on Premiere at uh, least helped assuage some of that. Well, I hope I helped it sway some of that. <laughs> well, anyway, what's up this week? Well, there's one big release for you. Uh, the rest you'll have to wait for deeper in the summer. But one big release comes out this Friday. This is a simultaneous release with the- in theaters and on HBO Max. And it is none other than Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights a uh, film adaptation of his musical that predates Hamilton. So if you want to see um, some roots of Lin-Manuel's songwriting ability, you can see it here. Uh, so yeah, like I said, streaming on HBO Max. We'll be checking that out this weekend. and We'll report back with our thoughts next week. Uh, but yeah, look forward to that. Yep. We will have thoughts on In the Heights. Uh, that is in reference to Washington Heights. Yeah, in case you were wondering. In case you were wondering. <laughs> All right, let's get rolling right into movie news. And our first story is something we love to do here on the Media Boat Podcast, but just talk about casting news. And we roll them all up into something we call casting bits. So it's a really slow news week for movies this week, (laughs) which is why we got a bunch of casting news. That's fine with us. We love casting. First up, Rob Zombie is going to be planning a next a new film based on the television show the Mon- the monsters uh wait that so that rob zombie that rob zombie and that those the monsters <laughs> um this is not exactly casting news this is more i guess production news but uh but yeah uh look yeah. forward to a rob zombie version of the monsters uh will it be twisted will it be a dark take you think I mean, doesn't it have to be because it's Rob Zombie? Or is this going to be more like what we do in the shadows? Oh, hmm. Yeah, that would be an angle. The TV version, not the stupid yeah. Johnny Depp version. But, I mean, kind of both. Uh, but, yeah. They're, they're both the same kind they're of thing. They're the same though. kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I don't know which direction you see Rob Zombie taking this. But uh, either way, it's an interesting time. I feel like the Munsters have had a little bit of a cultural revival over the last couple of years. At least I've heard them come up more often than ever before um so yeah we did have that adam's family animated feature last year that also happened two shows are pretty different though um in case you're a a boomer and remember uh for us they were all just on repeats on uh, tv land so we didn't really pay much attention (laughs) anyway Oh, wait, I still need that up. Why you still I need that up. Anyways, it's so good today at taking it down. I just was on autopilot there. Next up in casting news, Christina Ricci has joined the cast of The Matrix 4. Huh. Weird we haven't that heard we're while. getting that announcement now, seeing as the film comes out in December. Yeah, huh. I, yeah. Maybe, huh. I mean, you know, with digital stuff, they could splice in wherever they want. So maybe, hey. Weird, though. Uh, I don't know the last time Christina Ricci had a big role. Black Snake Moan? That's a long time ago. But that's the one that comes to mind, so it's <laughs> probably pretty bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what she's been doing. Um, if you know what Christina Ricci's been up to, hey, you can email us at, at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> 
All right, next up, Bill Skarsgård and Donnie Yen have joined the next John Wick movie, tentatively called John Wick 4. That is Bill Skarsgård from It as yeah. It. Yeah. And Donnie Yen, you know, karate master Donnie Yen. Yeah, sure. Why not? A uh, fellow, a fellow um, um, person to beat up alongside Keanu. I would like to see that. That'd be fun. Or beat up Keanu. Who knows? Uh, I mean, maybe. Uh, who knows? Next up, Elijah Wood has landed the lead villain role in the Toxic Avenger reboot, where he will star against Peter Dinklage and Jacob Tremblay. Okay, sure. I don't know who was asking for this or what IP was running out, but sure. Again, boomers. Who knows? Yeah, but the Toxic Avenger? Sure, yeah. I don't know. They They made a handful of those things. There can't be fun. Uh, maybe this will be can't be fun too. Who knows? Maybe. Next up, Issa Rae has joined Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse sequel, which we don't know a whole lot about other than that. But hey. right, and we don't know what she's been cast as or who yeah. has. But Issa Rae being cast and stuff is always a fun, uh, yeah, a fun deal. Makes you wonder what that movie's going to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see All right. as news comes out. Maybe she'll be one of the many rogues gallery villains. Yeah. And then next up, I'm guessing this is a movie uh, a movie following the events of the television show. Is that... Wait, no. 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 Oh, never mind. Never mind. Follow I the second that. word. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so a script that has been on the mysterious thing known as the Blacklist, which is not the television show which is the thing, hey, the script is super popular and there may or may not be a bidding war on it, um, called The Menu, has gotten a cast. Anya Taylor-Joy and Ralph Fiennes are cast as leads with Mark Mylod, who I guess was uh, worked on Succession, is set to direct. Yep. Uh, this is going to be gone through um, Adam McKay's production studio. Ah. Um, very mysterious, uh, this script for the menu about a wealthy couple who go to a mysterious island for a fancy dinner feast. Um, mm. Anya Taylor Joy will play one of the cu- one half of the couple, and Ralph Fiennes will play the chef. And we know how mysterious he can be. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, interesting. Um, but chances are, with these kinds of scripts, you might be able to find more information by giving a quick Google. So, hey, check it out. Although the menu may pull up a bunch of menus in your... <laughs> yeah, might be hard to find. Might be hard to find. <laughs> All right, next up in movie news, a little story about some business happening with the production unions as they start to bargain. The International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, also known as IATSE, which is just fun to say, and Management's, Alli- and Management's Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, not as fun to say, AMPTP doesn't roll off the tongue. AMPTP. AMPTP. Uh, they have started their fourth week of bargaining for new TV and film contract, covering the union's 13 West Coast production locals. One of the major issues in these talks is funding for the Motion Picture Industry Pension and Health Plan. The union has proposed new sources of funding through streaming residuals and increased employer contributions, while the companies on the other side want more cost sharing by the workers themselves. A source said that the two sides were far apart in this area last week, as these things usually go. 
Little progress was also reported ahead of today's bargaining session on wages, sick leave, rest periods, and new media, all of which could cost the companies more money. And as we always know, the companies don't want to pay more money. So yes, just like any other union negotiation we talk about here, this is going to be long and drawn out with both parties coming back and forth to the table until finally something gets compromised on. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it. And also with the union's uh, bargainings, they bring up new media and streaming revenue. And do they get a piece of that pie? What the unions are saying is that they don't want it directly, but rather towards cost production and for, um, uh, what is it? Health, health benefits. Because as Mm. we've seen from the past year, with COVID, having health insurance has been more favorable and more of a necessity than previous. It's It's become a forefront topic. It's shown the value of it, certainly, Mm -hmm. uh, like never before. And yeah, I don't blame them for wanting to make sure that those protections are in place. Uh, But yeah, like I said, we'll see what happens with this, but uh, probably not a whole lot of movement right away. We're going to just wait for them to hash it out, as we always do. But this is also why unions are a good thing. They yes. help the collective bargain. Yes, hopefully, hopefully the unions will be able to get these uh, production workers what they what they need to survive, uh, and the companies aren't too greedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll hope and find out when it happens. But in the meantime, you've watched some productions that maybe some of these unions have worked on. Um, maybe, who knows? Probably uh, they are you have a couple productions. of uh, yeah. A couple of movie thoughts. Which one do you talk about first? Let's talk about the, let's go in order here. Okay. So I did something that I haven't done in over a year. You, uh, I'm going to take a wild guess here. Wild stab. Go ahead. Did you go to a movie theater? I sat in a movie <gasps> theater. Wow. Market, this is June 9th, 2021. The last time you did so was when? February 2020? February 2020, because I wanted to see Parasite before the Oscars. All right, 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 right. Well. Compared to most other people who either saw Sonic the Hedgehog or (laughs) Rise of Skywalker in 2019. Or, Or Onward. I knew well, a lot of people who Onward was their yeah, last Onward movie. Yeah, Onward for like that week it was out. Mm-hmm. But the movie you saw, how does it compare to Parasite? <laughs> <laughs> so I love Parasite. Um, I think it definitely deserved the best picture of the year. This is no Parasite. This is no Parasite. <laughs> but then again, I'm not expecting this to be Parasite. This is Disney's Cruella. Tell me about the Dominations. There's three of them. Uh-huh. And what do they well, do? Technically five, I guess. But what do they do? They're puppies. Yeah. They but... eat things and bark. Yeah, but the, our audience may know that there they, there's a pivotal thing that happens here that got leaked into the internet that uh, happens in this movie involving the Dalmatians. How'd you feel about that moment? Wait, okay. I'm lost here because <laughs> I watched the film and yeah. I didn't see anything about that. Uh-huh. Okay. What are you trying to reference? It's a main motivator for the protagonist here. Something happens to her family. Yeah. And? Uh-huh. And it involves Dalmatians. Yeah. And? Uh-huh. Yeah. How'd you feel about that? 
it works. Really? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Sure. I don't see what the controversy is. Well. Okay. Well, talk about the rest of the movie then. We'll talk I about that. Off I won't derail screen. you. I guess no one told me that there's a controversy with it. Not really a controversy, per se. Well, I mean, they were CGI dogs, so. Yeah, they sure were. They sure were. <laughs> anyway, anyway, tell me about Cruella. Cruella is one of these better, I can't call it Disney remake, in the mm-hmm. vein of like Lion King and Aladdin, because it's not a direct remake. It's a prequel. It's a prequel. It's a yeah. It's a prequel. Yeah, it's a prequel. It's like Maleficent, it's told sure. from a different perspective. Yeah, and I always thought that those films worked better than just the straight remakes, even though or the straight live adaptations, even right. though the live adaptations clearly are the ones that make money because they're the ones that bring people to the box office. Yeah. And Disney knows this, so. When they announced that Emma Stone was going to be playing Cruella in Cruella, I was like, oh, that Emma Stone. Yeah. When was the last time I actually saw her in something? Well, that was La-La actually Land. good. Yeah. When was La La Land? <laughs> Three years ago. Four years 2018? 2017? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's been a while since Emma Stone's um, been in a lead role that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize, oh yeah, she's a real good actress. Academy Award winner, Emma Stone. Yes, that very same Emma Stone. Yeah. Um, she's real good in this. Uh, okay. Definitely believable in the role. Definitely you can see the, the gears turning, the wheels turning, the downfall that becomes Cruella, the fashion designer. But the real like kicker in this is the time period that's placed in. 1960s London, which... If you know anything about history, who what a fashion boom it was. <laughs> yeah. Not just with the 60s style running amok, but also with the punk movement and rock movement. And it definitely plays heavy into that. And I can't give enough praise to the costume and design and art direction. This thing is kind of worth that ticket of admission alone. Okay. Uh, it's really well done. I'm wouldn't be surprised if it gets nominated for it because I loved all the fashion stuff and I'm a guy. <laughs> oh, you we can know. Hear it in my voice. Oh, we know. We're aware. <laughs> <laughs> so, lots of fashion in this, lots of drama, lots of meaty drama, but also good acting from Emma Stone and Emma Thompson, who plays the villain in this role. Oh, multiple Emma, Emma yes. combo. Mm-hmm. But then there's also Mark Strong. And you know how I love me some Mark Strong. <laughs> Mark Strong's good. Media boat a... favorite Mark Strong. Media boat favorite Mark Strong. <laughs> Not a surprise Mark Strong. <laughs> but always fun when he shows up. It's like, oh yeah, he makes everything better. <laughs> and he definitely made this film feel a lot better, a lot more intense as he does. Um, we like Mark Strong. Uh, but yeah, this film is worth it. Okay. I didn't feel bad watching it. Okay. I didn't feel like I was dragged to watch it either because it was very entertaining. It was very engaging. Um, there is some mystery thrown throughout it. 
um, there is, it does set it up as a, as certain elements, it wants to be a heist film as well as a fashion film. And it kind of melts it pretty well. I had a fun time watching this um, in a theater. Had I paid the $30 to watch it like I was planning to last week, which is why we didn't talk about it last week because I right. was going to watch it in a theater. Um, I would not have been disappointed if I spent the $30 for this. Okay, It's a good Disney film. Okay, so it's getting some mixed reactions. It mm-hmm. seems like some not all people are super on board with it. Uh, but uh, Christy and I actually read the synopsis on Wikipedia. Okay. We were curious about what it was. We didn't think we were going to see it anytime soon. And I came out on the other end being like, yeah, I can see this working. Yeah, this might be a fun time. Christy came out of it being like, I don't understand. There's so many issues I have with this. It seems like her concern, and I've seen this concern repeated uh, elsewhere, is people who are looking for connections between this movie and the 101 Dalmatians universe that we are are familiar with. It seems like there's some issues with some plot holes or some lack of explanation. And yes, I realize it's supposed to be enjoyed on its own merits. It's not necessarily, you're not supposed to necessarily link it fully with the movies that already exist but people are gonna do it because it's a character they're familiar with mm-hmm. so you weren't bugged by the leaps in logic that this movie has to make in order to connect that character to the character in the cartoon no because i treated it as its own movie yeah i treated it on its own merit okay i i saw the the lines that they were drawing between um character relations and how they related yeah. To the animated film. But I wasn't drawing the one to one comparison that most people do. Yeah, because if you do, there's not a whole lot of, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, that's why it's a prequel adaptation. <laughs> it's not a live action remake, which is why we make that difference. Yeah. I wonder how many people are going to be distracted by this. Probably a lot. Yeah. Because there were some people that I watched it with that were, <laughs> by the way, uh, this wasn't like a, just I went to the movie theater. It was a private screening uh, for people I went with that I knew. Got it. That I was invited to. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Some of them enjoyed it. Like all the <laughs> ladies enjoyed it. Some of the guys didn't enjoy it and they were like confused and stuff. So yeah. not everybody's cup of tea, British pun intended. <laughs> But definitely, like, cinema quality. Okay. Yeah, it seems like they put in some work on this thing. Um, yeah, I wonder how long it will stay in the public consciousness, though. I, I hope it's not something everybody forgets that existed uh, six months down the line. But uh, maybe when it comes back onto regular Disney Plus and just becomes a streaming film on there, maybe it'll have a little second life. Maybe people will engage with it again. Probably. Um, there are a lot of needle drops in this. Mm-hmm. As you would imagine. As you would imagine, especially in, with that kind of music from London 1960s. Yeah. Lots of influence there. Lot to borrow from, turns out. <laughs> yep. Plentiful resource. Well, that's good. Yeah, no, I, I plan on checking it out probably, like I said, when Disney Plus gets it regular. But yeah, no, it seems like it's probably better than a lot of people are giving it time for. 
Um, but yeah, good to hear. Yeah, if you're trying to compare it and make it make sense with the cartoon, that's not what it's trying to do. It's trying to be its own thing. And because it's trying to be its own thing, mm-hmm. it does it in a really well done manner. Yeah. It's that's just, good. I don't want to say unfortunate, but when people try and like compare it to what it what they have and their own thoughts and existing media. Yeah. It can be a little muddied. Sure. Sure. But I enjoyed it for like the whole like fashion war and everything. Okay. It was a fun time. I had a fun time watching this. All right. You also watched something else this week. Oh, that was not a fun time. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think you probably had as much fun. Oh, this is uh, such a long title. It's actually getting cut off by our graphic here. That's, well, that's okay. <laughs> because it's The Conjuring, colon, the devil made me do it. There we go. There I you fixed go. it. <laughs> Fix the space. Anyway, tell me about The Conjuring, colon, the devil made you do it. So, probably part of the reason why, even though it's number one this week, it only made $24 million, is because it's available on HBO Max in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. Be scared on your couch. Yep. Now, I've made my notes and thoughts about horror films on this podcast before. <laughs> sure. And just to refresh everyone, not my bag, not my no. cup of tea, not my not my jam, not my Fig Newtons. <laughs> mm, fig Newtons. Delicious. Yeah. Um, I, because I view it through the lens of Cinema, and like, oh, I know all this is fake. <laughs> it's all movie stuff, meant for jump scares, meant to make you feel horror and scared. So the horror stuff doesn't really get me, but the story does because okay. for the first time in the Conjuring series, they have to face something that they've never done before. Okay, take it to court, <gasps> prove it in a court of law that the <laughs> devil made me do it. Okay. Does Except, it work? I mean, <laughs> it works for like the 10 minute, 20 minute scenes that it has in the courtroom. <laughs> but that's it out of a 130 minute movie. Oof, oof. Uh, I wish they leaned into it more because mm-hmm. it would have been a good different take on it. But it's really just the same films as the previous films The Conjuring, Annabelle La Llorena um, they're all in the same universe I think it's like the right. ninth film in it something yeah, like that something like that uh, I think this officially makes Patrick Wilson the, the Scream King <laughs> since he's been doing all these Yeah. Uh, but yeah I do have to ask if Patrick Wilson is one of our greatest actors alive today <laughs> because he makes horror seem so real. Oh, maybe, maybe. It's good it what he does to do that. It takes a lot to make horror feel real on screen, sure. and he's done it for nine, at least, at least four Conjuring films. Mm-hmm. So they keep paying him. <laughs> he keeps making them. <laughs> they no one's told him to stop yet. So. But yeah, this is basically just another one in that series. If you like The Conjuring, you'll like this. If you don't like The Conjuring, you're obviously going to avoid this. 
<laughs> there's not much I can convince you to watch it either way. No. Because there's nothing really grabbing that says you have to watch it for this moment. By now, you're yeah. familiar with what The Conjuring is. So if you and want you're to... You're either be... on that boat or yeah. you're not. So you want to be conjured, check it out. But if you don't want to be conjured, maybe skip it. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. I like it. Simple, easy to the point. And that means we can move on. I did watch half a movie, I should mention. I watched half of Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh, you only got through half? But I had to stop because I was running out of time. Uh, So before I had to do something. So yeah, I did not complete it. But uh, yeah, I'll have more to talk about. I guess that next week I'll fill you all in with what I think. But um, yeah, I watched the first half of it. I will probably watch, finally watch, uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Yes, please do. Please do. And I'll have thoughts on that next week. All right, cool. So we'll have a little bit of a thoughts reprise next week. I do have to say one thing is Raya looks really good on my television. Let me tell yeah, you. Yes, it is. Uh, so, yeah, fun. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Yep. And we'll have those in addition to In the Heights thoughts yes. next so week. Look forward to those and more. But first, let's move on to television for this week's show and talk about sports as we always do in the sports corner. All right. And this first story was kind of the big one over the weekend. Yeah. So it takes us to the world of golf. John Ram was Rom. John Rom. Rom. John Rom. John Rom. 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 Was forced to withdraw from the Memorial Tournament after a positive test. Now I'm going to guess from context: positive COVID test. Correct. Thank you. Uh, he was leading the field at the time by six strokes. Ouch. Technically, if he would have parred out, he would have won the tournament. Yeah. Uh, but he was forced to withdraw. I think marking one of the first. Like this hasn't happened that often, but it has. It hasn't happened to such a high-profile player, especially someone in the lead of the tournament. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that he was forced to withdraw. But that's not the end of the story, as he because he has a positive COVID test, he has to now isolate for twelve days. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, the U.S. Open is exactly 14 days away. Oh, boy. So he can't go anywhere. He has to be in isolation for those 12 days. But then two days later, he's expected to play in the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Okay. Well, it's right under right under the limboing under the bar there. Yeah, right under the bar. But it's not going to matter anyway because that's Phil Mickelson's home court or home course. Yeah. And he's expected to win. Sure. Okay. Well, you know what? When he was out there, he had a good game. That's all. Yeah. That's all. He can at least take that home. It's okay. John Rom is one of uh, my favorite golfers, mainly because of his name, John Rom. John Rom is fun to say. John Rom is Even fun to say. I got it wrong. Yep. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Basketball is quickly wrapping up, but I've got good news for those of those of basketball fans out there that are tired of the same old, same old. Because if you're looking for a new champion, you might be in luck. Five out of the eight remaining NBA playoff teams have never won the title. The other three, 
The 76ers, the Bucks, and the Hawks haven't won in a long time. 1983 for the 76ers, 71 for the Bucks, and 58 for the Hawks. So, hey, the dominated, like the years of domination from the same old clubs over and over again is over. Well, when you figure that those same old clubs include the Lakers, yeah, the Clippers, and yeah. the, the, the Celtics, the, the Warriors, the, Lakers, the Celtics, the Spurs, the Bulls in the 90s, and then the Heat when LeBron was over there. Oh, and Golden State. Yeah, Golden State eliminated. Warriors. Yeah. It's the same old, same old, but at least now we'll have a little bit of new blood in there. Yep. That's exciting. Yeah, I thought that was fun. Yeah. Um, this also means that eight teams remaining means we're in the semis Semi. for the conference finals. Yeah. And then we'll go uh, finals for the conferences and then finals. So still lots of more basketball to be played. Yeah. But hey. But elsewhere in basketball, though, they're making other decisions, including the title of 2020 to 2021 Kia NBA Most Valuable Player Award, which this year goes to Nikola Jokic. Jokic? Jokic. 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 Uh, He becomes the first player to earn the honor as a member of the Denver Nuggets and also the lowest drafted player drafted all the way back in the 41st round uh, to be named MVP. Um, The previous record for that was the 15th round. Wow. I'm sorry, 15th overall pick. That's a big Still first round. Oh, sorry. But 41st pick. 41st overall pick gets you to the second round easily. That's, wow. It's pretty wild. Uh, Yep, noteworthy, but... There is someone technically lower than him. Okay. But that's because they went undrafted. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> also uh, a winner this week, the NBA Coach of the Year Award went to the New York Knicks coach, Tom Thibodeau. 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 Sipolis. Yes. Yeah, Thibodeau, uh, I guess. So congratulations to Tom. Uh, come on, say, say the team name. <laughs> the New York Knicks. No one calls them the Knickerbockers. I don't know why you wrote that. Because we call them the Knickerbockers. It. Well, they're the Knicks. No, everyone just calls them the Knicks. Yes, those Knicks. Uh, yeah. This is the third time that a New York Knicks coach has won Coach of the Year. Got it. Moving on to hockey, the other season that's wrapping up before our eyes semifinals will consist of montreal canadians facing off the winner of the game between the golden knights and the avalanche and the tampa bay lightning will be facing the winner of the islands islanders or bruins so there you go um both of them are in game sixes yeah so you split three twos in each of those uh, game six for the Avalanche and Knights is tonight as of this recording with the Islanders and Bruins the tomorrow on a Thursday. But come next week, we're in semifinals. Nice. Uh, one last bit of news, uh, sports news that I actually saw via social media today that I wanted to mention because it's pretty cool. Apparently, WNBA viewership on network TV is up significantly this year. 
Um, so it looks like more eyes are on WNBA games than ever before. ABC said they're up 28% from 2020 viewership already. Nice. And the season just began. So, hey, if this if you need a time to jump on the WNBA train, this apparently is the year to do it. Some good games apparently are happening out there. All right. And then also, um, Simone Biles of mm-hmm. Simone Biles fame. <laughs> Won the U.S. gymnastics uh, overall this past week. Uh, in I don't say in preparation, but on her road to the Olympics. Yeah. yeah so look forward to just see a dominating performance again from her, likely in Tokyo. Yep. So um, the U.S. trials will happen in two weeks' time, with the Olympics still scheduled to happen at the end of July. NBC has said that they're going to have quote as they always do, quote, unprecedented access to Olympic coverage, totaling some like 7,000 plus hours of coverage over across its networks and streaming. So look forward to Olympics. They're still happening. (laughs) Or at least NBC still thinks they're happening. Yeah. Oh, any other news bits before we move on to television news? Uh, baseball is still baseballing, and unfortunately, um, home run king and pitching king uh, Shohei Otani is not atop the home run leaderboard. No, no, but barely. Barely. <laughs> He's one <laughs> home run behind. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, just fun to watch him. He just did his longest career home run yesterday. <laughs> so he just. He keeps going. The man cannot stop. He cannot he, stop. He is a literal anime at this point. Yeah, make a show out of him, please. <laughs> I would. I would watch that. All right, let's move on to television news. Our first story. We're gonna rewind the clock a bit. Go back to two thousands Nickelodeon. Now we're a little too old to have nostalgia for that era. Um, you would think, um, but. Some of you maybe out there are a little younger than us and may also have, you know, some sort of fond memories about the shows that dominated 2000s Nickelodeon, whether it be Drake and Josh, iCarly, you know, what all those, all those shows. Well, they're having a little bit of a renaissance, uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> First, the uh, actors are all yes, in the news from Drake they and are. Josh. So yeah, let's talk about them. First up, on July 16th, Disney Plus's Turner and Hooch series, based on, of course, the Tom Hanks film of the same name, uh, stars Josh Peck as U.S. Marshal Scott Turner, the son of Tom Hanks' character. Like his dad before him, he inherits his partner a large, unruly dog that he doesn't really want, but of course grows to love. So you'll be able to see Josh Peck and a big dog, uh, which, hey, sounds like good watching. I guess Tom Hanks' actual son, Colin Hanks, is too old for the role? Much, much too old for the role. <laughs> no offense to Colin Hanks. Now, Chet Hanks could have totally done it. It is white boy summer, so I don't understand why he wasn't available. Well, but hey, Josh Peck. <laughs> yeah, Josh Peck. Disney Plus. Yeah, remember him? Yeah, that Josh Peck. <laughs> Meanwhile, if you're a fan of iCarly, well, June 17th, Paramount Plus will premiere the first three episodes of the reboot of iCarly. It will still star original star Miranda Cosgrove, as well as characters Carly, or as character Carly, and then also Harper, who played by Lacey Mosley, who are now in their 20s. 
We'll get to watch how their love lives play out in modern day. Carly is suddenly single following a breakup with her longtime boyfriend and creative collaborator, which leads to her putting her energy into restarting her web series, I, Carly, that she did as a teenager, and going back out on the dating scene. Familiar faces of characters such as Freddie and Spencer will also join the reboot, uh, but notable absences including a couple, include a couple of characters whose actors uh, have now, let's say, retired from acting for reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, so they will not be appearing, which is much to the much to a lot of fans' chagrin. But besides that, this is a, this is a thing that exists. Yes, uh, they did note that they will bring up in the pilot mm-hmm. episode and throughout the first couple episodes of what happened to those characters. Yeah. So they're not being completely written out, per se, but just don't expect them to appear. Yeah. Same way you should not expect Tom Hanks to appear in the <laughs> No. Um, maybe a picture of him on like a desk or something with the dog. I could see that. Anyway, but of course there's a dark side to child actors. We all know this. Um, and as they get older, uh, yeah, maybe we see start seeing some, you know, uh, side effects of what it's like to be in the public eye. And maybe they make some strange decisions. And sure enough, that's what's happening with Drake Bell, also known as Jared Drake Bell, his full legal name, uh, on June 3rd. Not his full legal name either. Well, but... That's what you've written down here. Well, I know his actual name because I played <laughs> pool with his mom. So That's kind of weird, but okay, now I know. Um, well, his mom's probably not happy with this news. On June 3rd, uh, he was arrested in Ohio and charged with attempted endangerment of a child and disseminating matter harmful to juveniles. He pleaded not guilty to the charges, which allegedly stemmed from a 2017 internet chat he had with, yep, you guessed it, an underage girl. Well, yeah, not so great. But hey, at least... uh. At least we can watch uh, uh, Josh Peck uh, with the dog on Disney Plus and be happy about everybody instead of thinking about this too long. Yes, let's not think about this too long. <laughs> that, that sounds more like a personal matter. Yeah, let's, uh, but just shows that you know whatever happens stars, in the state of Ohio, you know, yeah, things happen. Yep. Also happening, hosts leave. It's a, I mean, it's, it's sad. It's a sad thing to talk about. But if you're a longtime host of something on television, eventually you have to leave. Whether you age out of it, or you get replaced, or your show gets canceled, whatever reason, hosts eventually depart and go on to greener pastures. And that's happening to a few hosts here in this next story. Uh, first up, Bachelor host, now former Bachelor host, Chris Harrison is leaving the show never to return to the franchise. His departure comes following controversy that erupted when he made racially insensitive comments defending a contestant from the franchise. We talked about this a handful of months ago when this happened. Mm-hmm. However, as the situation escalated, his team was not happy with how ABC was not publicly supporting Harrison, even though he'd been with the show since it premiered in 2002. Harrison has hired attorney Brian Friedman to work out an exit deal with the ABC, Friedman recently represented Megyn Kelly in her $69 million exit deal from NBC News and Gabrielle Union after her departure from America's Got Talent. So we'll see uh, how this uh, happens. Most likely he'll get a nice golden parachute because of course he will. Um, But yeah, we'll see what uh, The Bachelor does without Chris Harrison moving forward. 
this will definitely be a settlement out of court for what I can only assume is undisclosed, undisclosed large event. amount of yes. sum. Of course, it always is. Like, we should just like copy and paste that every time, like just record a snippet of you saying that because I feel like you say the exact same line every time we talk about settlement. You're, you always say it's like, oh, it'll likely be for an undisclosed large payment. Because it always is. Always it's is. undisclosed NDAs. <laughs> typical, like you can expect this to happen. Yes. It's not so, new. Only a matter of time. However, a much uh, more um, amicable uh, depart, 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 departing. The departed. Depart, yes, sure. Whatever the tense is that I was trying to use. Uh, is over on TBS with Conan. As we mentioned, he will be moving his operation to streaming and will be ending his uh, show on TBS. But before that, Conan has an hour-long finale set for June 24th. His final two weeks of guests for his show will include Martin Short, Bill Hader, Mila Kunis, Dana Carvey, J.B. Smooth, a surprise Patton Oswalt, and Jack Black will serve as his final guest. Also appearing for those final two weeks will be a live studio audience, the first one in over a year. This will serve as the third major farewell event of Conan's career, after, of course, his previous two uh, shows that he hosted, uh, and will feature a look back on his 28 years of hosting late-night programs. You heard that right. Yes. 28 years. Yes. 1993? Didn't quite get to the, the, the Carson record. But almost made it. <laughs> but yeah, congratulations to Conan. Um, that'll be a, that'll be a fun couple weeks of television to to watch. Yeah, um, good for him for sticking around, making sure that a live audience comes back. Yeah, because he plays well to live audiences. Yeah. All right, that's it for television news. All right, which means you get to talk about the thing I'm sure you've been wanting to talk about this entire show. I was planning on watching this, but I, I did not remember if it was a Tuesday night situation or a Wednesday night situation, and so I did not realize this was something I could have watched prior, so I did not watch this. Well, it's okay if you didn't watch it, because you had to wake up pretty early to watch it. So it is today. Okay. It is today. So yeah, I, did, I was not, obviously I do not have time to watch it during the day, so I did not have time, but you watched this. I woke up early and everything. Tell me about Disney Plus's Loki. So, bad news is that because Loki premieres on Wednesdays, mm-hmm. it's midnight Pacific time yeah. Wednesdays or 3 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah, Wednesdays. not not fun for us. So, even if you're doing a VPN to the East Coast, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, um, wait. I have a question uh, before you start. How many Owen Wilson wows are in the pilot episode of this show? Two. This- he says wow twice. That's it? Two. Yeah. Okay. They wrote wow twice. Well, yeah, you got to stretch it out through the whole season. Yeah, yeah. You can't overwhelm with the wow. No, you, you can only can't. do wow so many times. Well, it's more like a wow. Wow. That, that, that sounded like wow, you really did that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Ellen Wilson joins us. saying wow. <laughs> the man loves wow. The man, man is wowed by everything. Yeah, he really is. He's easily amused. Okay, tell me about the rest of Loki, besides Owen Wilson saying wow. So, Loki yeah. died in Thor The Dark World. Yeah, or so we thought. He died in sure. Avengers Endgame. Yeah. 
Or so we thought. <laughs> he died several times. <laughs> or so we thought. <laughs> so we thought. Um, so uh, this follows the events of Thor or of Thor of Avengers Endgame where Loki takes the Tesseract and disappears. Well, doing so breaks the time stream and so it's up to the Time Variant Association, the TVA, to Uh correct it. Okay. So we're dealing with time travel and time jokes. Oh, man. Time things. So this is right up your alley. Right up my alley. And it's hilarious. Good. Because I like that kind of time. Yeah. Time mumbo jumbo stuff. Timey wimey. (laughs) As uh, the Doctor Who's call it. Uh, so, first episode premieres on Wednesday. All episodes will premiere on Wednesday, which means hmm. we will have a live finale oh. reaction probably on Wednesday. Okay. Possibly, if you're up for it. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all you. You can take care of that. Um... But this is through and through a Loki um, show, not just because of the name. Yeah. But because he's the only one you will recognize throughout this entire thing. Well, besides does, Owen Wilson. Well, I mean, Owen Wilson, but you don't know what his character is. I'm talking <laughs> about like MCU recognize. Sure, yes. Uh, so, it, the first episode basically just gives you the premise of what the series is going to be about, which is time jokes. Mm-hmm. Jokes about time. And, jo- and Loki being mischievous. And trying as to do he, mischievous things as he as does. As he does. You know, that's kind of his title. Yep. Yeah, God of Mischief and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and about his buddying friendship with Owen Wilson to help track down a variant who is someone trying to disrupt the time stream. Oh. So lots of time jumping I plan to see, which also kind of fits with the theme of the current phase four, which is dealing with time and things mm-hmm. as WandaVision dealt with time in terms of TV uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier dealt with keeping up with the times and times they are changing <laughs> and here is Loki dealing with the time stream kind of a running theme because I know that Thor Love and Thunder will also deal with time mm-hmm. with uh, Mar- uh, the was it Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is yeah time related as well uh, and even uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is a time stream in its own right so lots of time variant factors coming up time. for Phase 4 and I'm starting to see a theme here but yeah uh, Loki premiered not a whole lot to go off of but this is more in line with WandaVision in terms of there being a sort of mystery behind what's going on every week rather than Falcon and the Winter Soldier which was a very straightforward show mm-hmm. and could be the new thing people get excited for every week I can easily see that happening but then again if they don't give you a lot of answers or don't do the classic thing of leave you on a cliffhanger <laughs> it won't work it might not work as a binge thing either, but mm-hmm. it's also but that's what Disney wants. It wants that water cooler moment talk moment to moment. 
and it will definitely get it with Loki. Okay. Well, good. That sounds good. Yeah, I plan on checking it out for next week. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Uh, Exciting you, times. Did, did I you watch, watch anything? anything else? No. Nothing new going on here. Kind of the summer doldrums are beginning to start. So uh, mm-hmm. kind of clean up time, I guess. Uh, there's stuff I need to catch up on. Yep, same. Including Mayor of Easttown, which I guess I should watch apparently. Maybe yeah, some people seem internet. to like it. Some people seem to be obsessed with it. I don't know. We didn't think much of it, but uh, it's out there. It's out there. Um, I'm also kept keeping trying to keep up and catch up with Mythic Quest. Uh, I think that has like two or three more episodes left. So, okay. Well, in the meantime, in the meantime, lots of TV. But what's getting canceled and what's getting renewed is what I'm wondering. All right. What am I? So cancellations and renewals. What yeah. am I no longer watching? Well, no cancellations this week, just three renewals. First up, Netflix is bringing back Shadow and Bone for a second season. Much to a lot of people's um, success, happiness. Roku, I guess their like, platform, uh, is bringing back something called Die Heart. I've never heard of it until just now for a second season. Uh, you have heard of Die Heart. I have. Because it was on Quibi. No. That doesn't that's not true. I've not heard of it. Well, it was on Quibi. Okay. Well, okay. The one Quibi show that ended up on Rick Roku, well, it got renewed. So there you go. Yep. That's why then, I had season two. Yeah, that's why I had season two. And then HBO Max is bringing back Hacks for a second season. Apparently, that's also another show I should be watching. I I've guess. heard some things about Hacks, yes. Uh yeah. So Die Hart starring Kevin Hart. Did you not? Uh Okay, then it's okay. The pieces are coming together. So now you have heard of it, haven't you? I unfortunately have. Well, yes. That Quibi show with Kevin Hart is now on Roku for a second season. Well, if that's not depressing enough for you, let's talk about some deaths. We have three this week. (laughs) First up, John Sacred Young, age 75, TV writer and producer, worked on China Beach, The West Wing, and Firefly Lane. Next up, Clarence Williams III, age 81, actor in The Mod Squad, Purple Rain, and Lee Daniels' The Butler. So, uh, fairly recent work there on The Butler there. Yeah, he's also one of those guys where you see him as like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. You've seen him around. And then lastly, Douglas S. Kramer, age 89, producer on Wonder Woman, Dynasty, and The Love Boat. So a lot of storied television from the 70s. Those are some uh, three heavy hitters, too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, some of these little ladies in there, too. Yep. All right. That's it for deaths, thank God. So we can move on to music and talk about the Billboard charts. And we always start music with the Billboard, and we start the Billboard with the Hot 100. Ooh, what? And it's so hot, it'll melt like butter. Again. I made that joke again. Yep. Hey, but it works. Hey, but it works, because butter... By BTS is your number one song this week again two weeks in a row um, unfortunately that does mean that good for you is number two by Olivia Rodrigo still, number two. still probably the best thing on that album yeah probably in my opinion but I think the whole album is pretty good yeah uh at three levitating by Dua Lipa featuring the baby yep. at four leave the door open by Silk Sonic. 
and rounding out your top five and coming back yeah. to the top five, Save Your Tears by The Weeknd and Ariana Grande. Right. Um, other than that, other than that one, yeah, I think it's the same. Four except, stayed the same. Yeah, for except for that last last one. Uh, so. I think so. No, Silk Sonic moved up one, and yeah. then Save Your Tears moved up. But as for the Billboard 200, your albums chart, we have a new number one album. Yeah, except it's not new. And I actually have an explanation for why this happened. But go ahead. All right. So tell me why it wasn't Folklore, but rather Evermore by Taylor Swift is the number one album. So Evermore jumped back up to number one this week because, one, it got a extremely successful vinyl release. Uh, it had previously not been released on vinyl. Uh, Taylor, I guess, strategically waited just long enough. And then also because she used that in tandem with um, a promotion to get signatures for copies of Evermore as well to fans. And so those sales count for like physical sales count just as good. In fact, some would argue more so than streaming numbers, and it was strong enough of a sales week for her to hop right back up to that number one spot. This is where good accounting comes in. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> management, you pay those management teams to uh, you know, make sure you get number one albums, and hey, it jumps back in people's mind and like, oh yeah, let me go listen to that again. So yeah, Evermore now is the number one best-selling record overall in 2021, uh, beating out Dangerous, the double album, which is number two. Yes. So at least Morgan Wallen is not number one at something. So we can at least <laughs> be happy with that. But of course, right behind it is your number two, which you can continue now. Right. At number two, we have Sour by yes. Olivia Rodrigo. Also selling extremely well and is on that top 10. Mm -hmm. um, at number three, The Off Season by basketball star J. Cole. <laughs> at four, Dangerous, the double yep. album by Morgan Wallen. And rounding out your top five, A Gangsta's Pain by Moneybag. Yo. Yes. If you didn't like any of those albums or you're done listening to those albums, <laughs> like especially Morgan Wallen's album, <laughs> please be done. Please we have new releases. Stop. Just stop listening to it. It's okay. New releases. And it's a little bit of something for everybody. Oh, yeah. It's another one of those weeks. Yeah. Because summer's here and, you know, everyone needs to have their own summer party. So, oh, yeah. Find an album from here, including Bodies by AFI. Yes. That AFI. <laughs> yeah, that AFI. Been around for a long time. Yeah. And still making music. Still AFI happening. bodies. Uh, we also have Remedy by Azure Ray. Big Mess by Danny Elfman. Yeah. That Danny Elfman. Bongo <laughs> Boingo. Yeah. Sure. Uh, no Gods, No Masters by Garbage. <laughs> yes. That garbage. Yes. <laughs> uh, Butterfly 3000 by Media Boat Favorite, <laughs> King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. You know, I've never actually listened to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. We just call them Media Boat Favorite because the name is so fun to say. And we technically don't have to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> just be happy about their name. Oh, and that they're extremely prolific. 
go to YouTube and look at the smile on my face. King Gizzard yeah. and the Lizard Wizard. And, and yeah, and, and we're so blessed that they're so prolific. They put out like multiple records every year. So you get to read their names so much. Ah, uh, so good. <laughs> so good. Uh, speaking of so good, or maybe not so good, uh, Jody by Maroon 5. I think that's Jordy, but sure. Yeah, I Jordy. would like to believe that this is a concept record about uh, LeVar Burton's character on Star Trek The Next Generation, but it's probably not. <laughs> that, that's a stretch, but probably not. <laughs> uh, Culture 3 by Migos. Yeah, remember Migos? They're back. Yeah. Migos is back. Uh, we also have Path of Wellness by Slater Kenny. Yeah, this will be their first release after the departure of their drummer, Janet Weiss. Um, they're now a duo, and um, I'm hesitant. As a very big fan of their work, I'm a little worried about this, but we'll see how it turns out next week. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Because you'll probably be listening to that. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, in new releases, Front Porch Singing by... <laughs> The Oak Ridge Boys. Yeah, remember the Oak Ridge Boys? Oof. <laughs> They're around. They're around. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if you heard about this. I don't know if it's a rumor or if we just never talked about it. But apparently Sour may not be Olivia Rodrigo's only album. Oh. That she may have another album called Sweet to go <laughs> with Sour. <laughs> Oh, she is going to pull a folklore evermore. Um, I guess so. More like an Eric Church with a uh, heart and soul. Sure. Yeah, I I'd be okay with this. Yeah, let her do it. Why not? I mean, it kind of would explain why the album was only thirty five minutes. <laughs> She's got another another thirty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Another maybe. thirty minutes out there, possibly maybe. coming. We'll I see. don't know. Just a rumor, but I bring it up because our first story. It's also, well, it's, it's more concrete than that. Yeah, it's not It's not too much of a rumor because it seems like all signs point to yes. Um, right. So. Um, so, yeah, here at the Media Boat Podcast, we yes. try not to delve in rumors. Right. We try not to report on them. But when something yeah. concrete comes out that we can physically point to, even if it's digital, <laughs> it more self lends itself to credence. Yeah. Which this week... Happened mm-hmm. to be Lord. Yeah. yeah. Lord. Media from, boat favorite Lord. Uh, from Melodramatic? Was, yeah, I believe Melodrama was, if not our favorite album of that year, it was definitely in our top fives. Uh, I think it yes. was our, it was both our twos, but I don't think it was Maybe. Our, might have been our one? I don't remember. But yeah, regardless, uh, Media Boat favorite Lord is back. Yep. And a week after some tracks purportedly... From Lord's third album leaked onto the internet, the singer posted a note on her website on Monday, along with a rather attention-grabbing <laughs> uh, photograph. Yeah, did you see least. this? Did you see this picture? No, I did not see this picture. Okay. Um, well, is it just Lord photograph? You should see it. We're not actually sure it's Lord. Uh, we're pretty sure it's Lord, but just search Lord's Solar Power, and you'll probably find it. Um, yeah, it's a very pr- provocative picture uh, to put on a lead single of your record. That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, this kind of was posted alongside the news. Oh, is it the blue one? I mean, the, there's a blue sky behind her. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, the blue one. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, it's a fisheye lens. Yeah. You see from the top and bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the the center of the picture is large. And in charge, yes. <laughs> in context, you know, in comparison to the rest of the picture, I should mention, not large in a bad way. Like anyway, it's definitely attention grabbing. Google it, and you'll see what we are talking about here. But uh, yes, yes, very uh, attention grabbing. Yeah, uh, possibly up her. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, from below. Yeah. yeah, we don't know mm-hmm. if it's her, but probably her. I mean, yeah. I, I've never seen what she looks like from below. Uh, me neither uh first for everybody here uh anyway anyways um as last week's rumors kind of predicted it seems the first single will be called solar power uh the remainder of the message only says arriving 2021 dot 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 Patience is a virtue, which is a very <laughs> white woman Twitter handle thing to say. <laughs> uh, nodding. It actually nods to the four years since uh, her previous yeah. album. It's been a while. Yeah. Well, a rep for her decided to decline to comment, although it does seem that in order for tracks to have leaked, <laughs> the album must be in some stage of final production. Currently, the public speculation about the album flared up at the last at the end of last month when Lord announced as she was performing at Spain's Primaveras Festival, which doesn't take place until June of 2022. Yeah, so it seems like the fact that she's saying 2021 means that we'll get something by the end of the year, whether it's just a single or the entire record. It doesn't seem out of like out of prediction that we will get at least something this year. Well, maybe it's a early 2022 thing for the actual full record. Who who can say? Um, of course, fingers crossed that the whole thing just comes out soon, and so that this Lord drought is over. But uh, we'll see. Do you want it to be a Lord drought? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to see whatever the next thing she does. I mean. Since that, since melodrama came out, you've seen everybody from Taylor Swift even to Olivia Rodrigo uh, specifically referencing her in their music. At Billie Eilish, add to that, add her to the pile too. Constant like a reminder that of how influential Lord has been on modern music. Uh, and so, yeah, it's about time that she comes back and makes some music of her own. Mm-hmm. I was just talking with someone. I think one of my coworkers who said that they're waiting on pins and needles for the next Lord album. Everybody so, is. Everybody is. Especially since coming from what Billie Eilish has done. I mean, yeah. what was it? You said four years since yeah. her last album? Right. We had two Billie Eilish albums since then. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if she beats her out. Yep. Speaking anyway. of beating people out. Yeah. We like contests. Hey, who doesn't? You know, pitting one against the other in a battle for supremacy yeah like like eurovision you like eurovision we talked about it a couple weeks ago yeah well you know we talk about it i think every year yeah and every year we always kind of wonder why doesn't america have this hey well guess what well wonder no more (laughs) uh i mean we have so many sing competitions already yeah 
The Voice, American Idol, America's Got Talent. Do we really need another competition? But what if it was all 50 states, plus American Samoa, Guam, the Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Washington, D.C., all putting one artist up to, comp- to, to compete? What about that? I think you would have 56 people competing, <laughs> and that makes a perfect bracket. Hey! Hey, what do you know? Yeah. Maybe someone should do that. Like uh, a peacock, sir? Hey, maybe we'll read the story and find out. Well, okay. I'll <laughs> read the story. I stop playing the bit here. <laughs> All right. So if um, subtext is not your forte, NBC has announced that submissions for the new music event series American Song Contest are now officially open. This is, of course, based off Eurovision Song Contest, the world's largest music event, uh, where the series will feature a series of live music performances from American contestants who are in competition to win the country's vote for Best Original Song. Note, Best Original Song. No covers, no ballads, none of that. Original. Original songs. Original. So... Who's competing? All 50 states plus <laughs> American Samoa, Guam, Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Washington, D.C. That's six. That, so 50 plus six is 56, which makes an even bracket. Yeah. Don't believe me? Ask the dishes. No. <laughs> Don't believe me? We do it every single year. For March Madness. 56 teams enter into March Madness and it's breaking down into one. Perfect sim- symmetry. Yeah. And I bet they're going to do the same thing here. Yeah. Bring it off into regions. You got your, your west, your east, your north, and your south. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you are a solo artist or a duo or a band or a DJ, American Song Contest is looking for you either signed or independent uh, artists can enter uh, who can who can own the stage and captivate an audience with their best original music. As the submission process to represent each state or territory is underway, the showrunners welcome all varieties of music, including country, dance, electronic, pop, rap, and pop rap, R&B, and rock and roll to be submitted. You must be at least 16 years or older, and groups can only consist of up to six members. So Arcade Fire-style giant groups are not not allowed. No, but but uh, Jackson 5 is. (laughs) Yes, but you're perfectly five. Uh, yeah, no, this sounds like a good idea. I'm actually shocked that it took this long for us to do this after kind of we've had this under undercurrent of obsession uh, from Americans about Eurovision that, of course, culminated in that movie for Netflix. Um, so it's not super surprising that this is happening. It's just super surprising that it took this long. Uh, but yeah, I think this will be fun. This will be a fun thing to see. You can kind of have your own state pride and kind of root for whoever whoever your state chooses, uh, be involved in that choosing process, I'm sure, somehow. 
Um, yeah, I feel like maybe some places will have a little bit of an advantage. I think your That's New York, California competitors might, uh, might I don't know, have a little bias. Uh, but hey, I would love to see what Kansas thinks of. I would love to see what freaking Montana's got up their sleeve. There's so many opportunities. What's the U.S. Virgin Islands got? Let's 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 see it. You know? Right. I mean, you could easily vote for your hometown hero, but that could only get you so far if they get eliminated. Or maybe and you can also like call in, yeah. like have all of California, since everyone's leaving, vote for everyone in Idaho, <laughs> so they knock off whoever's in the north there. Yeah, who knows? Maybe like freaking like New Jersey's got a real banger, and then everybody's like, actually, no, New Jersey's gonna win this whole thing. Who knows? What are they gonna do? Have the next John Bon Jovi out there? <laughs> hey, it could happen. Have the next Bruce Springsteen out there? Yeah. Haven't they had enough people from New Jersey make it? <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm excited for this. No dates given here, so we don't know when. Voting, you know, for will start for individual artists or any of this stuff. We'll have to wait and see. But interesting. Um, I, I mean, this is preliminary process, so you have to submit your audition tapes yeah, to this is be considered. When the producers are like, "Yeah, they seem interesting. They seem interesting." So, right. Um, who knows? It may we make it even a Ninja Warrior style because it is on NBC, where <laughs> they'll do by states breaking down to a finalist. Perhaps. You know, assuming we get enough submissions per state because, hey, that's 50 episodes right there. Or, yeah. you know, break it down to however you want. So I hope all out of all 10 people who live in Wyoming, maybe at least two of them are musicians and want to submit. <laughs> so, <laughs> Or, you know, someone's from Wyoming who moved out, but they can claim from a Wyoming. We, we love you, Wyoming. If you're listening to this podcast and you're in Wyoming... I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> you may be last alphabetically. You may be first in our hearts. hearts. Well, All right. One, but. <laughs> let's, let's move on. We got some music thoughts, huh? Oh, we got some thoughts. Well, we have album thoughts and content thoughts. Technology thoughts. Technology thoughts. Just wait for that. But first up, you listen to something. I listened to something. I went nostalgic. Sure. Except went, it was new. Yeah. So future nostalgia? I mean, <laughs> feed me to it, but yes. No, you didn't listen to Dua Leap again. You listened to a new record by a band you have nostalgia for. Yes, that's not to say I did listen to that Dua Leap album again. Oh, sure, yes. But you also listened to this. But I also listened to Rise Against new album, Nowhere Generation. Mm-hmm. So this is their ninth studio album. And by now, you have heard... You've definitely heard of Rise Against. You know what Rise Against sounds like. Yes. And you also know what exactly they're rising against. You know, although there are some people who don't know what Raging Against the Machine were raging right. against. But So who can say? So who can say? <laughs> but yeah, Rise Against. Loved them as a teen growing up. Mm-hmm. Had tickets. Went to see them in concert. It was fun. Excellent. Excellent shows. Heavy rock concerts, kind of like in the vein of, well, Foo Fighters, Linkin Park. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Rise Against. All right there, hard rock. They know exactly what they're doing. And you kind of have to. If you're going to make nine studio albums, you <laughs> either have to be really good or really consistent. And when you get nine, you kind of have to be both really good and really consistent. And that's kind of what this is. Okay. It's really good and it's really consistent. It immediately threw me back to when I was a teen. Like, oh yeah, 
I loved Rise Against. It really reminded me of re the album Re-Education Through Labor and how hard-hitting that album was and kind of the success of all the singles that came off of that. It had that kind of vibe. I really like this album. Cool. I like it from an album standpoint. It's not going to be in my rotation because I've kind of aged out of it. But if you're in that mindset and you love Rise Against, you love that kind of alternative rock. I don't dare I say classic rock now. No, 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 not yet. So that alternative <laughs> rock that Rise Against is known for, the hard guitars, the hard lyrics, the emotional toll that it can bring you if you're, when you're listening to it, it hits all of that. This is definitely Rise Against not slowing down on anything. Um, I think recently we talked about Blink-182 was the Blink-182 new album? Where, I out something a couple of years ago? I think it was last year where I we see. were asking like, they're still like making jokes about high schoolers even though they're 40. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This isn't that. I mean, it kind of is because it kind of hits on like I mean, like, I assume like they're in their 30s and 40s, but still talking about like stuff that teenagers and kind of like finding yourself in the world in early 20s go through. But the fact that that kind of mindset hasn't changed in the 20 years that they've been doing this. Yeah. Either is a fault of society, which is, you know, rise against, but also it works for them. They know their bread and butter. They know exactly who their audience is. They know what they're playing for. I really liked this album. Cool. And if you like Rise Against, I encourage you to listen to this album. Again, like I said with The Conjuring, if you're not in any of that kind of style in any way, you don't need to listen to this. Yeah. But yeah. as a fan of Rise Against, I was very happy with this album. Ooh. So much so I listened to it three times. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, uh, it hit on a lot of different things. Um, so it's called Nowhere Generation because our like millennial generation feel like there's one, there's nowhere to go, but also because of the tech um, that we all live in, that we have this online persona where people don't really know our true names, which is our online names, because that's <laughs> who we truly are. We can be whoever we want then. And that's kind of like what it's playing against. Mm -hmm. And there's nowhere has this been done before, also referencing the nowhere generation. But Rise Against has been known to do that with their lyrics. So if you're so when you're listening to this, catch on to that. <laughs> you may have a fun time listening to it more than you'd think. Okay. But then again, it is Rise Against. So they are known to throw those kind of lyrics, those kind of heavy like ethereal thoughts into their stuff but i enjoyed it all right and you listened to something i did uh so we kind of foreshadowed this last week um so i listened to the new record by japanese breakfast which if you have not heard about japanese breakfast i feel like we're on the precipice of a Phoebe Bridgers style uh, pop crossover um, happening right now. She's on uh, 
like I've seen Japanese breakfast billboards. Uh, she's also a New York, t- uh, Michelle Zahner, who uh, goes by a Japanese breakfast uh, as her solo career. Um, she is also the author of a New York Times bestseller right now, which just this week got optioned for a motion picture deal through none other than Amazon's MGM. Of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's uh, kind of a mover and a shaker right now and out of nowhere. I've been kind of tracking Michelle's career for the last few years because I used to be a big fan of her band that she had before this called Little Big League, named after, of course, the movie, unrelated. Uh, but yeah, um, it's really cool to see her get to this point where like she's having this breakthrough moment with this record. So this is her third record as Japanese Breakfast. Uh, no, she's not Japanese. She's actually Korean, fun fact. Um, and her approach has been kind of ethereal indie pop music that takes a lot of uh, hints from dance music. It takes hints from classic indie rock. It takes hints from video game music. She's an avid fan of like RPGs like Final Fantasy, including a few years ago, she actually put out her own RPG called Japanese Break Quest that had a bunch of fun Easter eggs where you could pick up like vinyl records of her friends' bands and like use items that were references to her songs and stuff like that. It was fun. It was a fun little distraction, um, I think around like 2017. Uh, but yeah, this is probably her best record yet. Um, it has a lot of what the first two records did, um, but really owns in on what she was good at. Uh, with just even more impeccable arrangements and just great lyrics and fun catchy a fun catchy vibe and while the first two records that she put out were kind of think about loss and like grief uh this one's a lot more joyful since the name jubilee um it's it's a lot more celebration and it comes out in the sound of the songs including the um the lead single be sweet which is probably in line for summer jam of the year at least for me it's very very good um it's got vibes of kind of like a 90s dance track to it it's it's a, it's a lot of fun uh, but yeah the whole record is just really really well well uh well made and well mixed uh, just sounds just beautiful arrangements whether it be when she brings in horns in the in the opening track or if there's like some string arrangements later on it's just a fun time. Um, and yeah, probably the best thing she's done so far. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you haven't heard of her, I'd say check it out. Um, you might find something to like here. Uh, but yeah, it was a good time. All right. So it sounds like a good breakfast. Delicious. Yeah. Delicious. With some rice, you know, with some egg. Mm-hmm. A little bento. Right. Anyway. But what I actually want to talk about this week. We got some tech tech review for you here. So it wasn't necessarily a album you listened to, no. but a couple? Oh, a lot. A lot. So we talked about a few weeks ago, Apple announced that they were going to do a dual launch, basically in part of relaunching Apple Music uh, with a new app. They're going to pair that with lossless audio, which basically means high bit rate versions of songs on apple apple plus or apple music not apple plus apple music um for everybody who's already a subscriber so without an extra cost they're going to beat spotify at their own game by just saying like hey here's hi-fi tracks for free we're just going to give you them 
in tandem, they also announced Dolby Atmos spatial audio versions of certain albums and certain songs. And essentially for the uninitiated, all that means is, is a Dolby Atmos version of a, basically something that's uh, mastered for 5.1 surround sound, but you can listen to it through stereo headphones. And what they've done is basically simulated surround by kind of putting the mix and making sounds appear like around your head as opposed to just left and right channels. You're probably thinking, yeah, stereo by itself already kind of has tricks that emulate surround sound. It has for decades at this point. But spatial audio tries to transform that into a more immersive experience. The idea is you're supposed to feel like you're in the middle of the music, that it's happening around you as opposed to just on your sides. Uh, in certain certain circumstances, things can even happen above you and you can hear sounds or behind you, right behind you or below you. And that's kind of the idea. Um, the PlayStation 5 has a variant of this with its 3D audio tech. Mm -hmm. um, if you use headphones with that, there's a, I haven't tried this with mine yet, but there's a variant of this idea. Um, so yeah, nothing super new, nothing super revolutionary, but Apple wants you to believe that this is revolutionary because of course they do, because they're Apple. So a couple of notes going into this. I was super excited to try both of these things. Uh, and when it dropped after their uh, conference that they had earlier this week, I was like, all right, let's see what I can do with this thing. So immediately, anybody who's updated to the most recent um, update on iOS for your phone or your iPad uh, ha or your Mac has access to this. Who doesn't have access to this is a surprisingly large amount of users of Apple Music. And this is the catch. When we talked about it, there was a lot of, before when we reported on this, there was a lot of question marks that we didn't have answers to. I didn't, I brought up that we didn't know whether or not this is going to be something that Windows users had access to because Windows users, as of this recording, only have access to Apple Music through a web browser or through iTunes, which still exists only on Windows. Well, lossless and spatial audio are not available to Windows users at this moment. There's no update to the Apple Music app in iTunes that presents this information. You can access the playlists for the spatial audio tracks, but you cannot have spatial playback or lossless playback. So, big ding on that. This means that I have not tried lossless at all because I can't. You're probably thinking, hey, but wait a minute. What about the, AirPod, the AirPods that you've owned? Can't you listen through that, through your phone? I thought so, but turns out the answer is actually no. And I may have reported this incorrectly back when we reported the story. Lossless audio does not work over Bluetooth, turns out. No matter what, through a Bluetooth connection, you're going to lose fidelity. So even if you turn on lossless or the higher bitrate, high res lossless on Apple Music files from your iPhone. If you're listening to Bluetooth headphones, and that includes Apple's own AirPods, AirPods Pro, and AirPods Max, yes, even the Max, you will not get any benefit, and it will sound just like a regular AAC 256K file. Or 256 meg. So, yeah, there's no way for me to currently try the lossless format because of that. Because, may I remind our viewers, 
The iPhone doesn't have a headphone jack. <laughs> its headphone is jack? Yeah, so, so yeah, there are solutions to this. People on the internet have pointed out that if you absolutely need to uh, have a device that, can, that uh, you can use your nice pair of headphones with your phone, there are ways, there are solutions. Apple sells a dongle for 3.5 millimeter headphone jacks. Mm -hmm. It's only $9 on their store. Pretty cheap, all things considered. It does not have the ability to do high res lossless though, because if you know anything about audiophile shit, certain uh, frequencies above like, I think a 16 bit file is about what you're getting on a CD. 24 bit is a higher quality than even that. You can stream, that's the high res lossless that Apple's calling. You can stream that, but you need a external digital an analog converter and amp to actually get that power. Right, so, DAC. Right. So if you don't have, if you're just using the dongle, you can play the 16-bit files, but you can't play the 24s. So you can play regular lossless, but you won't be able to play the high-res lossless and get the correct fidelity. There's another solution. They also sell a USB adapter, uh, which they've called, they call the camera adapter because they figure that most people are going to want to plug in a USB from their camera to transfer pictures back and forth between their phone. Mm -hmm. If you buy that, then if you have an external DAC slash amp that uses a USB connection, that's how you can do that. That's what I have. But that adapter is $29 on Apple Store. You can get third-party solutions as well maybe for cheaper. I don't know. Do your research if this all sounds interesting to you. So that's kind of the boat a lot of people are in. If you don't have a Mac, like a MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air or a desktop Mac, and you're stuck with Windows, you kind of are at the will of Apple to put a, a Windows-compatible version of this software, or else you're just out of luck with your nice headphones. It's kind of sucks. It's not great. Um, but the good news is, is that the spatial audio part works on everything, except for Windows. But headphone-wise, there's no reason to go and worry about the, the headphones you're wearing because the spatial audio actually works on anything that you use with your phone. And that includes Bluetooth devices. So I was able to mess around with the spatial stuff and who boy, is it a mixed bag? <laughs> I was so, reading some of your tweets about it. Yeah. So here's the basics of what you need to know. As I described, it's kind of a surround sound equivalent. You're probably thinking, hey, but a lot of music that's mixed for stereo probably can't be really reformulated too much to work in this surround sound way. And if you ask that question, you are 100% correct. A lot of music, most music, is not mixed thinking about a surround sound setup. It's thinking about stereo because it's going to be nine out of times played that, nine out of times 10 nine out of 10 times played that way. There are exceptions over the years. There have been box sets of extremely popular or, or famous records that have been mastered for 5.1. A lot of jazz, a lot of classical recordings traditionally are mastered in 5.1. Um, a lot of live shows, when you see a live show box set, those are typically get 5.1 remasters. Stuff like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones catalog, Pink Floyd, um, a lot of classic rock, is also put out in 5.1 because they know that the audience for of the audiophile are old guys 
typically old white guys who are into classic rock. And sure enough, that's why those audiences are catered to. So this won't surprise you too much that a lot of that shit sounds great with this technology because it's a one-to-one equivalent. They already have the 5.1 masters. They just transfer that into the Dolby Atmos technology and boom, it sounds exactly like a 5.1 setup. So yeah, you put on the, the 2019 remaster of the Beatles Abbey Road, sounds great. You put on anything that came out in the 70s, the 80s, the 60s, made with real instruments, it sounds like you're legitimately in the middle of those instruments as it's happening. So it does its job. It does, it does its job. The problem comes with what if you don't want to listen to classic rock or jazz or orchestral music? Then it becomes more of a dicey proposition because most people are going to get this and get really excited when they see that Taylor Swift's Evermore and Folklore are mastered for Atmos on, on Apple Music. Or Olivia Rodrigo Sour, also mastered for Atmos on Apple Music. Mm-hmm. They're going to try it out, and they're going to be like, this doesn't sound like the songs I like. Because when you're taking something that's a digital master, especially a modern pop digital master, mastered in the way that modern pop is, you kind of artificially have to move instruments around. And you kind of have to like make the equivalent to something that sounds like a 5.1 setup. A lot more mixing is involved. Yes, and the results are worse because of it. And so, yeah, I tried out uh, some songs off of Folklore, off of Evermore, off of Sour, off of Casey Musgraves' uh, Golden Hour, which is also, in fact, her all three of her records are mastered for Atmos. And there was something lacking to the arrangement there. There was something that was missing. There were sounds that I was looking for that were buried in the mix. The vocals sound echoey, for some unexplained reason in all of those cases. Um, and it's just, it's unfortunate because it's like you have a lot of people who are probably very excited to listen to their favorite music, their favorite modern music on this technology. And it's not great. Mm. Um, there are worse examples though, believe it or not. If you try to listen to Weezer's Buddy Holly, which has an Atmos remix, holy shit is the most bizarre version of that song I've ever heard. River's vocals are all the way to the front. You hear super, super loud and clear, almost like you're listening to the vocal take isolated. And then the rest of the band is so quiet in comparison. It's this weird effect. Then I had the opposite experience listening to Mr. Jones by the Counting Crows. It sounds like your singer is in the pit. It's like at the bottom of a butt, like a bottom of a hole. That's how low the vocal take is. But then the freaking drums are right here and the acoustic guitar is right here. And you're like, I can barely hear Adam Duritz, but I'm sure he's singing about Mr. Jones. It's just so case by case for a lot of music starting from like late 80s to now. Anything that has a lot of digital production, you're going to roll the dice on how good it sounds. Some of it sounds great. Some of it doesn't sound great at all. Some of it sounds okay. Um, and yeah, you never really know what you're going to get. But thankfully, Apple's put together a lot of different playlists for you to kind of have a smorgasbord of options. They put out a playlist that's just like pop mastered in Atmos, country mastered in Atmos, uh, rock, you know, so you got to get a taste of each different genre. It seems like the consensus, though, is that the genres that fared the best here are your, your genres that are typically associated with high production value. 
and that's jazz that's or- orchestral music that's um classic rock and that's even some rap songs uh lollipop by uh, uh, uh lil wayne came on and i was like actually this sounds pretty good because you hear all the voices kind of around and i'm like yeah sure this works in a weird way um also yeah so so yeah there's some weird like exceptions to this rule about songs that sound really really good on this thing but generally speaking it sounds like until modern music is being mastered with atmos in mind which may happen depending on how successful this is with apple mm-hmm. i think it's going to be a little bit of a time until they wrap their head producers and mixers wrap their head around sounding good in this format so it's it's neat as an experimenting thing experimental thing and it's cool that apple's giving it to everybody for free uh except for windows users <laughs> but uh it's still not all the way there, but if you're a very specific person, there's a lot to like here, especially if you're way into jazz. I guess we are going to have to wait to see if Atmos does become the standard. It's similar yeah. to how we had to wait between Blu-ray and HDD. Sort of, yeah. Except the problem here is that there's a lot of competing formats more than there was when it was HD DVD during Blu-ray versus Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. It'd be very interesting to see how mainstream this gets. I think that's the key here, because as I mentioned, surround sound music has been existent in some form for decades at this point. It's just that now, with power of a big name like Apple, they could try to push it to the music industry to make it more important than it's ever been. Right, similar to how they force iPhones down our throat, and uh, <laughs> thus the smartphone was born. I think an interesting thing for you to try once you are able to, there's also an Android version in the works. Okay. Um, they've at least confirmed that. They haven't confirmed anything for Windows, but they have confirmed they're working on Android. Uh, but yeah, when you're able to, I'd be really interested to see if uh, soundtracks, film soundtracks really translate well Ooh, to this. Film scores. Because they don't think they're on the service yet, but that's a no-brainer to get there because they're already mastered for 5.1, in some cases. So I would say that that's probably going to be a really exciting development when that happens. Uh, Your standard is going to be the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. I can (laughs) already tell you that. Yeah. Followed closely by probably the Avengers soundtrack. I could see. And then Baby Driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a work in progress. It's not all the way there. And I'm very disappointed by lack of Windows support. But uh, yeah, I'll keep uh, messing around with it and see uh, if I can find anything cool. All right. So that's Matt's music lesson on the Atmos. It's only Atmos. Check it out. Apple's proprietary uh, music streaming service shit. Yep. All right. Uh, so. I don't see this here. It's time. All for right. The last it's time for video games. Yes. This week video is the video calm games. before the storm. And I say that because if you know anything about video games, next week is when we usually see big announcements because of E3. So there is E3, kind of, in the form of several streams, along with the summer games fest thing that um, Jeff Keighley is doing. So the big news, wait for next week. This week, calm before the storm. Yep, because uh, typically E3 takes place uh, mid-June, uh, usually around the 12th, 13th. In this case, it would be the week of the 13th. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that next week. That's yeah. next week's show. That's next <laughs> week's problem. <laughs> this week's problem starts with new releases. Yeah, what's new? 
we have Fantasy Star Online 2, colon, New Genesis for yes. the Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. I will be trying, attempting to download this tonight on my computer. Uh, I'll try to jump into some of this. I tried PSO Online 2 a little bit, but didn't get all the way in. This is probably a better entryway because they revitalized the entire game. So, yeah, I'll give this a try and maybe I'll talk about it next week. Well, it is a new Genesis, so a new starting point. So, yeah. uh, We also have No More Heroes 2, colon, Desperate Struggle for the PC, in addition to No More Heroes for the PC. Uh, I believe this was the Switch game, right? So, actually, they predate them. New Year, new, uh, no More Heroes and No More Heroes 2 were Wii games originally. Uh, and right, they, yeah, that's what I meant. You said Nintendo. Switch. Well, that's a new Nintendo thing. <laughs> yes, they were originally Wii games. These are PC releases of them. All right. Um, how are they going to do that without motion controls? Because that was the big thing. Well, they've already adapted them for other consoles since then. There were uh, PS4 and Xbox One versions of those games as well. So that that is how. But that was the whole point. <laughs> they take the motion controls out. Smack it. Yeah, but they took them out. All right. Uh, we also have Ninja Gaiden Master Collection for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. I believe that's Ninja Gaiden 1, 2, and Black. Or no, Black and Sigma, and then 3, I think. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Sounds sure. right. <laughs> uh, we also have Game Builder Garage, or Garage, for the yeah. Switch. <laughs> but move all your yes. consoles out of the way. Right. Or the welcoming of the PlayStation 5 as your main console now. <laughs> because not one, but two games are coming out for the PS5 this week. We have Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate for the PS5, which currently is a PS5 only game and it features new material with Yuffie and Ninja. Yeah. Ninja Yif, however you want to say it, Yiffy Yif. Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy VII coming to the PS5 remake integrated. But but the game I thought I would be playing on the PS5 because I'd have it by now, but apparently still impossible to find, or at least the console is because the game won't be. Ratchet and Clank colon Rift Apart for the PS5. This is your big release of the week. Reviews have already been coming out this past week, and I haven't seen a bad review yet. It's been extremely positive to the point where now I'm really thinking about maybe I should just pull the trigger on it. No pun intended. (laughs) I might might buy it. So I'm like, this will get me to stop playing the show. (laughs) So note Not that, I that want to. this is a $70 game. Yes. Yes. As all PS5 and Xbox Series X and S new games that aren't a part of any free stuff that you get through subscription will be $70. Yeah, but from what I understand, it sounds like it's pretty worth it. It sounds like some people were saying that there's 15 hours plus worth of content in this thing, and more so if you're a completionist. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like this is probably well worth 70 yeah, I mean, 
I might just buy it just to have it for when it comes out when I'll I get tell a you, PS5. I'll tell you, I'm trying to help you out. I uh, I entered for the the new egg raffle today to see if I could get a spot to buy one for you, and doesn't look like I got an email yet. That's what I was just checking. Uh, um, but I'll let you know because if I can track one down for you, I will do it. Oh, good. Then if so. I can stop eating Burger King. <laughs> Why would you want to do that though? Well, I don't eat it. I just want to get in the raffle for it. Sounds good. I want a Whopper now. Anyway. They have the Impossible Whopper. Oh, the new McChicken. Oh, I haven't tried the chicken yet. Yes. I tried Carl's Jr.'s chicken sandwich. It was pretty good. I almost tried that. Yeah, it's pretty good. They put four pickles on that thing, though. It's hmm. like, that's probably too many, but... It's probably too, too many. Yeah, but I was like, it still works. I don't even like pickles, and I ate the whole thing with four pickles, and I was like, yeah, I see why they did this. Yeah, pickles in every bite. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, maybe Anyways, it's that. Maybe that's food. the logic there. Sorry, this is not a food podcast. Although, man, we should start a food podcast. Yeah. Um, but besides that, um, yeah, look forward to our March Madness bracket for next year, which is food that's, places we love. Just fast food. <laughs> it doesn't have to be media. I mean, anyway, um, com- media, com- fast food commercials. <laughs> So yeah, we'll see if I end up if I end up buying Ratchet and Click, maybe I'll talk about it next week. But uh, yeah, it's a big maybe still. I'm trying to be good about my money before we. I have to move in October, so right. we'll see. We'll see. Well, as you said, as you alluded to, this is pre E3 news, and yeah, oh, the cold before the storm is here. We start with panic, not at the disco, but rather panic. The company hosting yes. its first play date update. Do you remember the play date? The play date. We talked about the play date a couple we years talked ago. About play date. It is the handheld with the crank on it. That play date. Yes. The crank game. The crank play date. Yes. Yeah. So the crank console. Yeah. <laughs> the console where you crank it. Yeah. Play date update. <laughs> A video showcased to share new information on its upcoming handheld device. The 15-minute digital presentation covered various Playdate news, including a first look at the game's launching as part of its first season of games, some pre-order information, and a look at the device's first accessory. Playdate is truly a -a one-of-a-kind gaming uh, handheld system. It's yellow small enough to fit in your pocket, and features brand new games not found on other systems. It has a lovely black and white screen, and (laughs) yes, it has a freaking crank. The crank isn't meant to change, isn't meant to change or charge Charge. the device, but to be a part of gameplay to flip around and move as a means of input. Not all games require the crank, however, Originally, the company set the device to launch with a 2 gigabytes of storage and 12 games allotted for Season 1, retailing at about $179. Now, according to Panic, it will be doubling the storage capacity and games for Season 1, which means 4 gigabytes of storage and 24 games for the first season. That's a lot. They did yeah. that in a year. 
And they're all independent developers, small mm -hmm. teams that have put all these things together. Some famous names every once in a while. Uh, you'll see Keita Takahashi, uh, the creative mind behind the weirdness of Katamari Damacy, is developing a game for this thing. But mostly it's smaller, smaller groups, smaller indie games that take advantage of the unique properties of the system. So I've already seen some clips of some really, really cool stuff, like some isometric racing games to a game that's literally like, that has really cool graphic stuff about someone being in like in a box and you can use the crane to like open the panel and see them. There's really cool ideas here and it's a perfect platform for experimentation. And the fact that they're doing seasons of titles mean that that 179 price tag is actually going to get you a lot of gaming over a lot of time. So um, the catch, of course, is because this is a small company, Panic, uh, is that these are probably going to be pretty hard to find. They said they will try to manufacture them as fast as possible to beat the demand. But I imagine that this is going to be an extremely popular product. Right. And at four gigs for the games, that download time onto it is not going to be, it's going to be nothing at all. <laughs> right. They're small. They're small games and they're black and white. So mm -hmm. seems about right for that thing. But yeah, it's exciting though to see uh, new ideas, what new ideas and new gameplay comes out of this thing. Sounds good. I mean, we, when we brought up the crank game, I was like, oh, this is weird. But I'm kind of getting onto it. Yeah, it seems neat. Yeah, it seems neat. All right, uh, let's get to our second story here. Yeah, you know what else seems neat? That uh, game you played and raved about, uh, yeah, Astro Playroom. Yeah, Astrobot. Astro Playroom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the team behind it, Team Asobi, recently announced that it is expanding into a full-blown studio under Sony Interactive Entertainment. The team, which was founded in 2012, right before the PS4 launch, and has had its hand in many projects. Uh, with their most recent creation being the Astros Playroom for the PS5, which comes, as we mentioned, pre-installed in consoles when they launched last November. In a post on PlayStation's blog, Nicholas Doucette, the studio and creative director of Team Asobi, said, quote, While we are growing and challenging bigger things, our mission at heart remains the same as ever. Bring you PlayStation magic innovation, and put smiles on your faces with fun, colorful games for all ages. This is good news. Yeah. So we did great work on that Astros Playroom. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, as you mentioned, and I've seen videos on it, a lot of painstaking detail went into it for the history of PlayStation. Yeah. And even before that, they put out a VR game for PlayStation 4 VR that also starred Astrobot. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my understanding is so they even though they have those two video games on their resume before that they worked kind of as a technical studio uh at, over at sony so the astrobot games both of them actually came to life at first as tech demos for their respective technologies uh, astrobot's playroom as the game is in its final form as well is basically a tech demo for all the things that the uh, dual sense controller can do and so, yeah, it's cool to see them getting more opportunities to go beyond just tech demos and make more full-fledged games for Sony. Um, and they're already gaining a reputation of being kind of like Sony's Pixar. It's like fun, family-friendly, colorful, and and just really experimental and new and innovative, which is cool. 
Well, that's how Media Molecule started out with Little Big yeah, Planet. Right. And very you saw similar. the success they've had. Yeah. So it's very, very cool to see uh, that they're getting like the wherewithal to do more shit. I can't wait to see what they do next. Yeah. Do more shit. Do more shit. <laughs> do more shit. We're always telling them you need to do more shit. All right. Um, speaking of doing more shit, did mm-hmm. you play anything? Uh, no, because uh, of things. I have not really played very many video games lately. Um, so, yeah. Nothing to report there. Um, I'm still also in flux on a settling down on a streaming schedule, but I did stream <laughs> some Horizon Zero Dawn on yep. Sunday. Um, I'm going through the Frozen Wild on that, and yeah, I realized that me playing games usually takes long because I try and do everything again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turns out. Turns out when you do everything, yeah, doing everything takes time. But uh, I'm having fun with it, going through it. Definitely getting me back in the mood. So when uh, Forbidden West does come out, maybe I'll have a PS5 by then. I can play that. Maybe. But in the meantime, if you didn't play anything new, and I didn't play anything new, (laughs) I think that wraps us up here on this episode. I just believe that's true. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. For the media boat podcast this week we'll be back next week for a probably massive episode where we have thoughts about in the heights we have e3 news to drop on you we'll have video game thoughts perhaps we'll talk about all sorts of stuff for you so that's all that and more next week but if you want to watch us in video form you can do so on our youtube channel go to youtube.com search media boat podcast find our page like subscribe click the bell for notifications if you want to listen to the audio version, we're also available in that form. Just search Media Boat Podcast on Apple Music, on or I should say Apple Podcasts, um, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search us. You'll find us. You can also find us on the internet. Our website is MediaBoatPodcast.com, where you can see posts about every podcast every week. You can also see us on social media, like Twitter, where our handle is at MediaBoatCast. You can also see us on, on uh, Facebook. If you search Media Boat Podcast, you can find our page. Comment there as well. And if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, whatever you got, you can email us, MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you want to see some of Mike's streams when he gets back at the streaming saddle, twitch.tv slash MediaBoat is where you can do that. All right. That, I think, will do it. Until next week's massive episode. So let's just gather our energy so that we're ready to tackle it. Gathering our energy. A lot more coming uh, next week. Yes. E3 big show. Who knows? Yes. Possibly reverse show next week. I would bet on it, in fact. Uh, it. All right. Let's, uh, then we'll see you guys next time. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.